good to be with you this morning, church, as uh, we uh, gather together. It's our second week where we've been talking about this idea of being uncomfortable. Uh, last week, we uh, followed Jesus as he um, uh, called his disciples, led them to a place that um, uh, was known as the village of the comforter, and then invited them into a situation where things got really uncomfortable, right? Jesus is the guest preacher, a demon a guy possessed by uh, an evil spirit stands up in the back, and things just got weird, right? And uh, so we know that uh, following Jesus may bring us to some places and spaces where life is just not that comfortable. Well, this week, as I was uh, looking at and, and praying over um, which direction I was going to go, because if you look in Scripture through that lens, um, everything's uncomfortable. Like, we could just go on and on. I, I, I opened up my Facebook, and I saw a picture uh, of a guy that uh, had coached me for a long time, and just seeing his face made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, just all those memories. Uh, this is a picture of uh, Coach Tom Cross. He's my strength coach uh, at my university, uh, and he was kind of a big deal. This is uh, for his 90th birthday, um, which is really funny because 10 years ago, I thought he was 90, uh, right? So he might, he would not like that I said that, but he's an awesome, uh, awesome guy. Uh, really kind of a big deal. Magazines would come and interview him and, and get him on video and ask his opinion about different things related to strength. And um, I, I went to this school because they, they had uh, the opportunity to be a pastor. I wasn't expecting to go to the school and, and have D1 uh, strength coach, like top of the line. Uh, 1994, uh, number one strength coach in all Division I NCAA uh, athletics, a uh, pretty big deal. 2008, elected into the um, uh, nationwide, worldwide strength and conditioning uh, Hall of Fame um, uh, as, a, as a strength and conditioning coach. Really big deal, but really down to earth and always business, right? Always business. I've used some of his uh, phrases and statements um, in my sermons because he shaped me in any ways. Uh, if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got, right? Uh, just different things. He shaped me tremendously, but I'll never forget the ways in which he made us as football players feel really just uncomfortable in life. And it was his job to build us as, as athletes, uh, both mentally and physically, and he would do that a week after week, day after day, as we were required to uh, lift weights six days a week. The only day you didn't lift weights is when you played, right? Even Sunday night, you were lifting weights. You were doing what he, what he asked you to do. It was, it was a way of life. You stepped into the weight room, and you did what Coach Cross said. I remember um, I in high school, I took weightlifting really seriously. Seriously, and, and it was Olympic-style weightlifting, and we did that, and a lot of my other uh, peers didn't, and so I thought I was the man, right? I was the man, and so I walked in, and I, I grabbed the bar, and I did one, I did one hang clean and, and, and jerk, and he told me to drop the bar, and then it was my opportunity to use for, I think it was like three weeks, all I got was a broomstick, Right? Because I had to undo all the stuff that I had done wrong, and and I was really uncomfortable with that. Um, but thankful for it, thankful for it after. But uh, he would he would develop these plans and systems to make us uncomfortable, and then we'd get comfortable with it, and then he'd change it so we'd be uncomfortable again, and we would grow, and then we'd do it again, and and over and over and over again. For example. Um, some of us, now that, that I'm old, it's hard to get up off the ground, right? Have you ever tried that, right? Like, 
it's just hard to get up off the ground. As you're a football player, you need to get up off the ground. And so it's hard enough just to get up off the ground. I don't know if I could do that anymore. Um, so he made it harder, and he, uh, he had us do something called Turkish get-ups, where you lay on the ground with a bar over your head, and then you get up that way because he wanted to make it uncomfortable and make it uh, so that we could learn in this process. And so that was one of the things we did often, and that was a, a, a ton of fun. And then he, he continued to... He, he continued to add things uh, over and over, uh, over again uh, in the in this way of life. For example, bear crawls. How I many of you have ever done bear crawls? You know, bear. It's not fun being a human and trying to be a bear, right? That's just not fun. So you would just bear crawl. And so then he started to add to the bear crawl. So first it became resistance by another human being with big giant rubber bands. And that was exciting. And so if your partner was a jerk, it was not a very fun time. Uh, but you do that. And then he, and we got comfortable with that. We developed new strength. And so then he added weights that we do bear crawl with weights in our hands. Right. And so we got comfortable with that, and we'd be flying down the floor with, with weights in our hands and, and to get there. And so we got too comfortable in that way of, of life. And so he decided that we was going to find the biggest stairwells in the university and that we were going to learn how to do bear crawls going down the stairs together, and, and we would do races. And if you won the race, you didn't have to do anymore. But if you lost the race, you had to climb the stairs and go and do it again. And so the guys were desperate to not do these anymore. Would just throw their hands up and just slide down the stairs, right? Because <laughs> right? we just wanted, didn't want to do it. And so and we got comfortable with that. So then he added another twist is that you would race, but when you got to the bottom, you would now go backwards up the flight of stairs. And whoever got to the top, it, now you won, right? And so he always it made us uncomfortable. One year, um, the one season, uh, we had lots of knee injuries, and so that next season, we we or that off season, we were going to work on our stability, strengthen our knees, so we wouldn't have so many knee injuries. Everybody's having surgery, and so he decided that we were going to do um, yoga ball squats. Have you ever seen this yoga ball squats? So we're going to do yoga ball squats, and it was going to be exciting, and you're going to do it. And um, if you've ever seen 300-pound men stand on top of yoga balls, it's awesome, right? <laughs> and so there's this little, there's this little thing like a, a plastic plug on these, these yoga balls that when you fill it up, you stick the plug in there, and that holds the air. But I've seen those shoot out like a rocket, right? <laughs> It probably could kill some of those elk that you're, you're going after. That is a shot out of the rocket. But I took this super serious, and I said to myself, I'm going to be the best 300-pound ballerina bear on top of a yoga ball that you've ever seen. And so I would ask guys to say after weightlifting, hey, just stay an extra 30 minutes so we can work on the yoga ball, right? And so we did, and we got on the yoga ball, and it became second nature. But then he decided he needed to make it a little bit more uncomfortable. So he did, and we added weights to our back on top of the yoga ball. Uh, and there's actually a meme that says, this is why emergency rooms were created. <laughs> Our degree, and so, but we got comfortable with that, and then we became uh, we became super comfortable with the back squat because the back squat's easy, and but you already had that form down, and so you just you just would rep them out. So it, to make us grow, to stretch us, to bring us to a new place in space and our in our physical ability, he decided that one of his mottos was 
you're not strong unless you're overhead strong. He would coach uh, Olympic athletes. And so then we moved to a different way to do squats on the yoga ball where we were now overhead um, with our squats because his thing was that we would make us uncomfortable. We'd grow into what he had called us to do and we would be changed. We would be different. When you walked into Coach, Coach Cross's weight room, there are a couple of things that I wrote these down. I remember these for a long time. Number one, you just knew that you were going to be uncomfortable. Like you had to remind yourself that you signed up for this, right? Like you signed up to do this. You knew that you were going to be uncomfortable. You knew that you were going to be different when you walked out. Some of us crawled out on multiple occasions. You knew that you were going to be different when you walked out. And then collectively together, we knew as a team, like without a doubt, you survey every one of us, that his way was the best way, right? We had, we had developed so much confidence in, in what he did and how he instructed us that we knew that his way was the best way. And so as we continue to walk uh, through scripture this morning, I want you to have that image um, in, your, in your mind, just like we talked about last week. Sometimes what I want, comfort, is not always what I need, right? Sometimes what I want, comfort, is not always what I need. And so as we're in this week two of our uncomfortable series, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. As we're going to talk about this idea of embracing um, the uncomfortable, embracing the, those moments that, that aren't comfortable and stepping into them uh, because there's purpose from them, right? There's things that, that happen um, in our lives when we are, we are in those uncomfortable um, situations. But before we get to our passage today, I want to ask you a question, a question that maybe you've asked yourself, maybe not, right? Uh, but maybe you've um, asked at one point in time, um, if you could think, think to yourself, um, if you could go to any church or to, to participate in any church or maybe even start your own church, that might be an interesting question, what would it look like, right? Like what would be the perfect church that you can think of? Maybe you, you've seen a church online or maybe you've, uh, you've been a part of some churches. Well, what's, the, what's your like dream church, I asked that question because I asked myself that question um, uh, th this week and some interesting things came out. I just wrote, that, wrote, wrote down what came to my mind um, instantly and some of them are, are real and some of them are goofy. Um, but the, here's, here's my list. I'm going to share with my list and it might get too long and if it does, I, I apologize. But when I thought about what would be a perfect church, uh, number one, a church where I felt like I was instantly connected, kind of like the cheers thing, like everybody knows your name kind of thing or a place where I could be proud, always proud to attend, or uh, a place where uh, a person that didn't know Jesus, the one who visited, and they would just be, they'd be cool in that place, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't leave, or uh, my perfect church would have um, a giant endless building with endless space, or uh, state-of-the-art this, or state-of-the-art that, or one of them was interesting, came to mind, like green fields and trees, we like trees, or a community garden, or a restaurant, or a coffee shop, or ice cream, right? You can tell I'm a fat kid right there, right? <laughs> like the, the, these things come to mind. We think about these these things, and my list is probably getting super old uh, to you because it's just weird to think about uh, the church in that way. Uh, but I think like this, and I'll say maybe we think like this because we've been shaped by this mindset um, that tells us that we can have it our own way, right? 
Just, just pause for a moment. Think about your life and all the ways that you can customize life. Like right now, like some of your kids might have uh, shoes with their name on them. Like that's how, that's how customization has, has, has come along, that, that we, can, we can kind of curate our lives. We can, we can have it our, our way. And the fact is, the reality is, is that the church is not off limits. We've got to carry that mindset, and even as a pastor, I've maybe carried that mindset into this space. We've been invited to curate everything. Think about social media. Like, if you say something stupid on my social media feed, did you know that I could hide you, right? You'd never know, right? And so it's, we've got this mindset that if there's something in front of me that I don't like, that I can just get rid of it. And I could just not, not see it anymore. I could customize that space of my life. If I'm, if I'm watching a show on Netflix and it's boring, I can click stop watching the show on Netflix. Whoever has a clicker, it's probably under the couch somewhere. But somebody can click to stop watching the show, find another show. Or if, my, if whatever, if there's something in front of me, I've been taught, I've been shaped to, to think and to know that I can change that based on based on many different things i read this this week and i think it's super true but it says this consumerism is chronic dissatisfaction consumerism is chronic dissatisfaction we're on the quest for more and better and so when we think about this we know the reality of this we know that 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 companies are marketing towards our children this way we know that companies are marketing towards us this way right we have something it's a nice something we just got the nice something but now there's something else that came out and i've been told that my nice something's not good enough anymore i've been told that my i don't even know what year iphone this is but there's a new one and so i've got to get the other one even the other one's not that different anymore right and so we've been shaped in this process. And so this, without a doubt, has moved into the ways in which we look at church, probably without even thinking about it, that I can, I can design this and I can, I can, I can do th- these things to help me in this process. If the church stopped doing things that I like or makes me uncomfortable, then I don't have to, to, to participate. Right, Lord, or if the pastor says something uh, in worship and he's just crazy, or, or or the worship song just got a little too old school for me, then I'm then I I just don't have to go back. Like the grass is greener at home on the on the lazy boy, or or, or I I just I'm just gonna put that out of, of my life. Or if somebody at church gave their testimony and their theology is crazy, they're a little weird. I don't have to talk to them. Or if somebody made me mad, then I'm never gonna go back there. And whatever you you fill in the blank, right? This, this happens um, all the time, even with pastors. And if, if this happens, no worries. There's other options in town, right? Remember we talk about we came from Missouri, uh, a town of 380 people. And at one time there were four churches in a town of 380 people because you got to have choices, right? right? Well, we were there. There were three churches. The other one, somebody, some guy bought it and he lives in a church now, which is super interesting. But there's, there's always uh, another option. If I'm uncomfortable, then I don't have to be there anymore. And so as we look at, at today, I want us to, to, to really challenge us in the way that we think about the way that we see church and remember sometimes what I want is not always what I need. 
Now, we're not talking about abusive church situations, like run if that happens, seriously. But we're talking about just normal life stuff and the ways in which we've been shaped. And sometimes what I want, comfort, is not always what I need. So if you have your Bibles with you today, First uh, Peter chapter 2, um, starting in verse 1, uh, a reminder as Peter is uh, writing some people that are in a really interesting um, situation. But it says this, First uh, Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a, a stone in Zion, and a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the priest of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as we think about it, this uh, idea and the reality of Christian life, especially when it comes to being a part of a church community, can absolutely be awkward, right? And when we live together as people, we know without a doubt that life can be awkward and uncomfortable because you are not like me. And there are times where you don't think like me. And there are times where you're extra weird. And there are times where I'm extra weird. And there are times where we just don't get along. And you're an introvert and I'm an introvert. Or you're an extrovert and I'm an extrovert. And life can sometimes get, get messy. As we talked about last week, Jesus calling those disciples, leading them into this uncomfortable place where God's work happened, where a man is, is set free. Um, we're reminded of the uncomfortable position of those that are, that are hearing this, this word for the first time. That, that Peter's writing to a people that are, that are suffering persecution, right? They are, they are incredibly uncomfortable at the moment. Things are not going well. The, the things are not smooth. They didn't just get a promotion at work. Like they are being persecuted for believing in Jesus. They are losing things. They they are they are physically and emotionally, uh, mentally uh, assaulted by by these persecutions. It's not a good place 
to be in. We didn't, none of us wants to be uh, in this place. And, and Peter is writing to this collection of churches. And as he, as he writes to them, there, there are some commands, right? He's asking them to do some stuff and to not do, the, do some stuff. But, but in the middle of this brokenness, he, he, he calls them to, to stay away from stuff that will shape them. And he calls them to do some stuff that will shape them. And then he moves to this idea of identity, Right? When you think about hard times in your life, um, there are times where we've like hit roadblocks in life where you just kind of throw your hands up and you just say, well, it's over. Right? Or, well, I don't know how to move forward. Or, well, I, I don't know what to do in, in this stage and in this place in life. And we, we completely forget about all the things that, 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 we've, that, we've, that have got us to this place. Or we forget about who we are. And we have that tendency to not remember our identity in the middle of crisis. But uh, Peter writes them and he, he shares with them their identity. He transitions from the stuff that they should do and they should not do. And he goes into this place of... Of identity because knowing your identity is transformative in these places and spaces. There's a, a girl um, named Melba Beals who was a 17-year-old African-American girl in Little Rock, Arkansas, part of the Little Rock Nine. I think we've got a picture there. Um, if you've ever seen any of this, it's an integration into the public school. Um, absolutely terrifying and horrible things were, were said and, and attempted to, to do to, to these children that were just trying to go to school. You imagine like sending your kid to school in this situation? Like I just can't imagine that. But she's, she's in this place and she's wondering whether, 17 year old, years old mind you, she's wondering whether she should continue. If you should just continue to, to do this as, as armed soldiers are leading her to class, she's asking the question, like, should I, should I continue to go to school? Maybe not. There's, there's, million, or there's tons of people that don't want me to go to, to school in this place, and it feels like everybody doesn't want me to go to school. Should I go to school? And in her book, Warriors Don't Cry, Melba talks about having a conversation um, with her grandmother. And she sits down with her grandma, and, and they begin to talk. And, and, and Melba's grandma shares this. She, she tells her, in the middle of this pain, in the middle of this brokenness, in the middle of this crisis, she says this. She says, we are God's idea. We are God's idea. You must strive to be the best at what God has made you. We are God's idea. There are, are, are people that are lining up at the school to tell you that, that, that you are, are no good or you are no, not welcome or you shouldn't be in this place or this is not good or, or you're whatever. But yet the reminder from her grandma affirms to this young black woman that she is not their idea. She is God's idea. That, that memory or that, that, that recognizing of, of our identity at its very core is, is something that we need in the middle of crisis. So Peter isn't just about telling these people what to do and what not to do and how to do it, but he's now shaping their identity in line with their Lord and their new heritage. Most of them are Gentiles. They've been, they've been brought into this faith. They've been invited by the Holy Spirit into this new, new place and space of life. And they are the, the, the church. And this image of stones is brought to mind as they, as they read the, these passages here. 
And it's this word picture, and Jesus is this living stone whom these believers have embraced and found their hope. And, and Jesus is the cornerstone that everybody else rejected, but, but it's a, of a greatest value to God. And they, they've, they've been given this, this, this image that's kind of weird, and, 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 and it's this, this building part, and, and, and sometimes it's hard to explain. But then the connecting point for their identity comes verse 5, where it says this. They're brought into this story. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Like imagine in that moment where it feels like, Everything is crumbling around you, right? Like these people, they've made this decision to step into this community, to, 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 to follow God's calling on their life, to say yes to Jesus. They found themselves in this new place and space. I'm sure there's excitement in the beginning and then persecution comes, right? And then the, 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 the road is bumpy and, and things are happening and it's super, super uncomfortable, and things are, are not going well, and they're wondering, what in the world have I done? I've brought my family into this place. I'm, I'm here, and, and I'm now. And then they get this letter from Peter, reminding them that Jesus is the, is the cornerstone, that everything's are. And, and not only that, that they are also are like living stones, and they're being built up. Where it feels like everything else is, is falling apart, God is at work right? God is, is present and God is at work. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. They may be not happy, but God is at work. The household of God is where the nourished uh, will be, well, those will, will be nourished on Christ and will grow into their salvation, verse 4 says. And this happens through the formation that takes place into the, in the, this community through the work uh, of the Spirit. Many people talk about um, this image of, of the, the stones being the image of the temple in Jerusalem. Remember this uh, temple where, um, which was the traditional dwelling place of God. That that temple uh, had the, the dwelling place of God has now crumbled. Like stones are everywhere. It's shattered. The, all, the, all the memories from that place and, and, and all that that represented um, is, has now fallen. Right? Where we could say that it feels like all is lost, and yet now we have this image of, of something else being built on Christ. And not only just being built on Christ, but, but we are part of that, that, that building that is happening, that when it seems like there are broken stones everywhere, there is some shaping happening, and God is building something. The traditional place is gone, but a new place has arisen. I mean, this is, this is absolutely huge. This is the Christ overcoming the darkness. This is the everybody else sees brokenness, but yet God is at work. This is the everything else is, is wrong and, and nothing is right, and yet God is building something and God can do anything. But the people are super uncomfortable. 
The people are super uncomfortable. And, and just because they receive a letter doesn't mean the persecution stops. Just because they, 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 they have this refresher on, on who, they're, who they are and whose they are and, and this identity doesn't mean that, that the words and the, the actions of others are not hurtful. They may not be comfortable, but God is at work. You are the living stones being built up on the cornerstone of Christ and and everyone else wants to throw you away. Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, they were right at one point, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is enormous. And when I think about this, and I go back to my goofy list about green spaces and church lattes, kind of seems dumb, right? That we are, we are called to something, and we are brought into something that, that God is doing, and yet I still go back to my, my desires or my wants or to my, to my comfort. One time I chose a church in college because they had a take a college kid to lunch day. <laughs> Abandoned all my friends at the other church, right? I see this and I recognize that I'm part and we're part of something bigger than ourselves and yet I still have this something that, 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 that desires my own stuff. As Coach Cross would say when you, you came in to the, to the uh, uncomfortable weight room, he'd yell out in his Coach Cross voice, this ain't Burger King. You can't have it your own way. We knew that his way was the best way. Sometimes what I want is not always what I need. That my, that my very identity calls me, the Holy Spirit calls me to something, something bigger that I begin as I grow in God's grace to put my preference aside and I jump in, even to the uncomfortable. I jump in willing to set preference and willing to set pride aside even into the uncomfortable because I know that God's way is the best way and I'm going to allow myself to be shaped by God and by God's people because God's way is the best way all day every day I'm being told that my happiness is the most important thing that I'm going to make this choice to be happy or I'm going to make this choice to be happy or I'm going to buy this thing so that I'll be happy and I've bought a lot of things, and not one of them have worked. Christian writer C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite quotes by him, he says this. He says, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew that a bottle of port would do that. No clue what that is, but I'm sure it sounds fun. So if you want religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. That, that if this is about Jesus and if he has gathered us together as, as we have been built up and are continually being built up as his church, as these living stones, if this is all about Jesus, then I'm going to embrace the uncomfortable life. 
I'm going to brace the, the, the discomfort of life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go around and, and, and come and be gathered with God's people, even though I'm an introvert. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into the uncomfortable because I, I know that I'm going to be shaped. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back that desire to be isolated, and I'm going to allow myself to be known. Or I'm going to receive love from others, which is really hard to do, and I'm going to love them back. Or I'm going to give my life away so that others might know Christ. That I could be in my easy chair at home at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night, but I'm going to go pour and invest into the lives of our students. That, that it may not be comfortable because they're weird. Some of them will tell you they're weird. But this is what God has called me to do. I do it because I know that his way is the best way and that he is building me up, even though it seems like everything else in my world is falling apart, that that God is continually at work. I'm going to step into that discomfort. I'm going to step into that place that, that is messy, I'm going to welcome people at church and even shake their hands during flu season. Hand sanitizer is close by. I'm going to step into that, that way of commitment, of being family, of messiness and sticky situations. I'm going to have hard conversations because I've been gathered together and we've been gathered together and we are being built up on the cornerstone that is Jesus, like living stones, not some fancy building, but living stones. Commitment, even within discomfort. Faithfulness, even within disappointment. Isn't that what being the people of God has been about? But thanks be to God, Yahweh didn't look for a new people when things got uncomfortable. Thanks be to God that he didn't cast me aside when I was a jerk. But in his extravagant grace, he is present in our lives. So may we remember this morning as our band comes to to sing and, and to lead us in worship. That we are no longer slaves. We're not slaves to fear. We're not slaves to the way in which our, 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 our society thinks or what's normal or what everybody's doing, but we are children of God. This might be a great time for you. Your life might be awesome, or this might be not. May we be reminded either way our identity, that we, at the core of all things, if we lost everything tomorrow, we are children of God, children being shaped and have been gifted the life of the church. You and I are not just here to shake hands and look pretty every once in a while, but we are being shaped for our life together and through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Commitment even within discomfort, faithfulness even within disappointment. And while I don't think Jesus cares about bear crawls or yoga ball squats, I do know he cares about your development and the directionality of your life, who you are becoming, who you are being shaped to be. So may it be said that when we stepped into the family of God, we just knew that we were going to be uncomfortable sometimes. We knew that things were going to be different and we were going to be different, shaped. And we knew as a people, embracing his way was the best way.
So may it be so among us today. Let's pray this morning, church. Lord, we're thankful for the ways in which you uh, call us out of our comfort. You know that the the things that we, we want sometimes aren't always the best for us. And they aren't always what we need. And so, Lord, we pray that you would uh, continue to call us to places and spaces where we are are stretched and where we grow. Uh, Times where uh, life may be super uncomfortable. But in the middle of these, may we be reminded that you are present. When everything seems like it's uh, crumbling around us, may we still be reminded of whose we are and who we are. Would you show us that you're still building when everybody else is tearing down? Lord, we want to be shaped by you. May you allow us and call us into a place where we are shaped by you and shaped by your people. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand to receive the benediction today. Beloved, God's people. May go from this place knowing that comfort is not always the most important thing. And even in discomfort, God is at work. May you go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed.